I was uh, reading uh, about a pastor uh, that was on a long flight and his first kind of alert that there was going to be trouble was the captain uh, came on the loudspeaker and said, all right, I need everyone to kind of return to their seats and uh, everybody uh, to fasten their seatbelts. We're expecting uh, some heavy turbulence up ahead. And uh, so we're not, we're not going to have any drink service. And so everyone kind of got in their seats, buckled up. And, uh, and then the second announcement was, hey, I'm really sorry uh, to announce this, but we're not going to have any uh, meal service. I know they don't do that in general anymore, but back then they did. And we're not going to do any meal service on this flight. We're expecting really uh, heavy turbulence up ahead, and so there won't be any meal service. And then they, they hit the turbulence, and they hit the storm that was causing all the turbulence. And there were these loud cracks of thunder, fla- flashes of lightning that were very, very jarring. And that plane started going up and down uh, like this. Now, for those of you that have been around a little bit, you remember me telling me a story. Uh, remember me telling a story of uh, last year when my dad passed away. I took a flight up to the Upper Peninsula, and it is the worst flight I've ever been on in my life. A uh, plane was doing the same thing because of wind, and uh, I know the panic that can happen in a plane uh, when when things start going this way. Uh, a woman right next to me was crying. Uh, a person a couple rows ahead were praying, and I don't even think they really knew what they were doing. They were just saying words, you know, because they, they were so panicked or whatever. And that's what happened on this flight. The flight started panicking over this turbulence, and uh, the pastor said he looked around, and uh, everybody was just panicked and praying and crying and this kind of pandemonium. And then he, he looked a couple rows ahead of him, and there was this little girl that was sitting there totally calm. Like not panicked at all, planes going up and down. She was reading her book. Her legs were tucked under her and just kind of relaxed. And this went on for a good long while. He's looking at her, just totally calm, little girl. And uh, the flight uh, finally arrived where it was going. It landed safely. They were all uh, disembarking. And the pastor decided to kind of wait back for a little bit. And he went up to this little girl and he said, man, I just got to ask you. Uh, everybody on this flight was panicked. You were totally calm. What, what is the story with that? And she just kind of smiled at him and said, my dad's the pilot. <laughs> now, I knew we were getting home safe. And my prayer for us as believers is that when the whole world is losing their mind and freaking out, that we would just kind of sit back and smile and say, our dad's the pilot. Going to be okay. We're going to land safely. It, it's it's going to be Okay, and I want to talk to you today a little bit about worry and anxiety. Um, it's been a, a good year since we've discussed this topic, but I think it's a, a good time to kind of talk about not settling for less when we serve a God of more. And I think it's important to uh, kind of share with you my credentials on this topic a little bit that I am really only qualified to speak to you about kind of the spiritual side of anxiety, the spiritual condition of anxiety. A lot of people see doctors for uh, metabolic or physical anxiety, and they should. A lot of people see counselors for psychological anxiety, and they should. We never want to be a church that has kind of an anti-medicine or an anti-psychology mindset, as though that like, if you just trust Jesus, you don't need to see medical professionals. That's not true at all, right? God can work through counselors and does. He has in my life, right? God can work through medical professionals. So uh, I, I'm just not qualified to talk to that side of anxiety. Uh, you know, you wanna see a counselor or see a doctor about that, but I can talk to you about what Jesus says about spiritual anxiety that honestly at one time or another has gripped the heart of probably every single person in this room. Uh, it's one of those things that we all have in common, that if I were to go around this room, I would bet even this morning that every single person in this room could identify one or two things that they're feeling anxious about, 
that they're feeling worried about. It's the person that has a doctor's appointment on Tuesday to find out the result of the test. And when you came into this room today, honestly, you're feeling scared. It's the person who is going to find out this week if they got the job or if they get to keep their job and you came into this room and you're feeling anxious. It's the person in deep financial trouble and you're worried. It's the person that is COVIDed. I'm going to invent a new phrase here. COVIDed out. And you're just feeling anxious all the time. It's the kid that has a huge exam at school and you're scared. We all have worries. So I don't think a good kind of common ground question is, are you worried about anything? The answer is yes, we all are. I think a better question is, how are you handling that worry? I find there's a couple different ways we tend to handle it. I would guess some of us in this room are stewards. Any stewards here, right? Where you suppress your worry and people ask you how you're doing. You're like, I'm totally fine. Couldn't be better. And you're just pushing it down, pushing it, pushing it lower and lower. And maybe it's even had some like, medical side effects for you. Uh, you know, that, 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 that's happened in my life more than once where uh, worry has created physical problems in, in my life because I've just suppressed it and stewed on it. Some of you are maybe lashers, right? Any lashers where uh, your worry kind of uh, transforms into anger and uh, you lash out at the people around you. But really the thing is, you know, people are like, man, you really seem angry. And you're, well, in reality, I feel angry, but I'm really worried. What this is, is I'm, I'm anxious, I'm worried, I'm feeling a, a fear. And then some, some of us are soothers. That's how we handle our worry. This is my go-to spot. And I, I think one of the things COVID has revealed is what we like to turn to for soothing. Because I think most people are probably soothers, like me. And so uh, COVID has revealed what it is. For me, it's real simple. It's chocolate cake. <laughs> if I'm having a bad day, I want chocolate cake. If I'm having a good day, I want chocolate cake. If I'm feeling kind of bored, like having a bored day, nothing better than chocolate cake, right? So, so it's, it's, it's that sort of thing. I know that not everybody's deal is cake, right? For some people, it's uh, TV or in another addiction of, of some other kind. And, and what we know is when, man, the cake's gone, provided there's not more cake, but when the cake's gone, the worry comes back and the worry starts again. So I think there's even a better question to ask then how, how do you handle your worry in a, in a typical way? I think it's, is there a better way we can handle it? Is there a better person we can turn to? And I want to show you the words of Jesus. Here's what Jesus said. He said, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, at a single hour of your life? Right? No. Uh, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So allow it to settle in with you for a minute. Jesus starts out with a, um, important, an important phrase in verse 25. He says, do not worry about life. 
And he's going to go on. His primary examples are money and finance because that's what a lot of our worries uh, surround. But you could insert any typical worry into this text. And he says, he, he illustrates his idea in two ways. He says, first of all, look at the birds of the air. Look at the birds of the air. They do not store uh, or reap or, or they don't store... Uh, store in barns or uh, do any of that sort of thing, yet your heavenly father absolutely cares for them. And they are the birds of the, uh, of the air. They, they don't work for a living. They don't have a 401k, yet your heavenly father uh, takes care of them. And it's important to mark here that Jesus is not dissing doing your part. Jesus is not dissing, uh, not making your own contribution to the worries that you, you face. He's absolutely not doing that. As a matter of fact, I would say, if you have a test this week that you're worried about, here's my very, very wise insight. Study. If you want to retire someday, really groundbreaking idea, save. Right? If, if you need a job, you should be applying for jobs. He's not saying do your part. As a matter of fact, he sometimes in this text affirms doing your part. What he's saying is you don't need to worry about God doing his part. Don't worry about that. You, you, do, you follow godly solutions to your problems, but understand that God is absolutely going to do his part. He always does. And that's the thing that we should never, ever worry about. God's going to do his part. So what is his part? Well, according to this text, here's what it is. God will give you, here's the promise of this text, God will give you everything you need to live the life he has called you to live. That's God's part. We follow wise, godly, good solutions for our own problems, but we trust this about God, that God is going to do his part. He will give us everything we need to live the life he has called us to live. And so Jesus says, don't worry about your life. And here's why this is so important. Behind every fear in this room, behind every worry of this room, there is a sub-worry. And the sub-worry is this, I won't have enough. I won't have enough. You see it in this passage, I won't have enough food, or I won't have enough clothes, I won't have enough money. But you hear it in all the worries that we have. It's the pregnant mom who gets more and more anxious as the day approaches, and what she's worried about is, man, will I have enough? Will I have enough patience? Will I have enough love? Will I have what it takes to be a good mom? It's the worker whose company is announcing layoffs and he's worried about that. But underneath that worry is a worry that will I have, will I have enough uh, connections? Will I have uh, enough to get another job? It's the person who gets the bad diagnosis from the doctor and they're worried about that. But what's underneath it is will I have enough strength? Will I have enough faith to make it through? And every worry has this subtle little thing lurking underneath it. Am I enough? Will I have enough? Can I actually endure what God has called me or allowed me, however you want to phrase that, to endure? So I love what the passage, what the scripture teaches us. Yes, God will give you enough. Yeah, he'll give you enough food. He'll give you enough clothes. He'll also give you enough strength. He'll give you enough patience. He'll give you enough skill. He will be enough and he will give you enough to live the life he has called us to live. Now, don't misunderstand the text. The text is not saying, have faith in God and you'll never go through a very difficult thing. That is bottom drawer garbage theology. It just is, right? If, if you think about it, if, if that were true, that if you just have enough faith, you'll never encounter a difficult thing, then Jesus didn't have enough faith because Jesus went to the cross. Paul didn't have enough faith because he had this thorn in the flesh that he described uh, that he couldn't get over. Peter didn't have enough faith because he was crucified upside down. Ridiculous. 
the gospel of good news is not have enough faith and you'll never go anything, through anything hard. The gospel of good news is the God of the universe in you will give you enough every single day to make it through this thing called life. And it's always interesting, whenever we have someone go through a difficult situation here, a loss of a family member, bad health diagnosis, um, layoff, a prodigal kid that's given them a hard time, a lot of times I'll be in conversations with people and they'll kind of be an outside observer of that situation. And they'll usually say the same thing, I could never do that. I, I can never go through that. I could never endure that. I, I, I just, I don't have it to go through that. And it's happened several times since I've been here. And I almost always correct it whenever I can, but I usually end up saying the wrong thing because what I'll say is something like, no, you're stronger than you think you are. And there's a strength inside of you that you didn't even know existed. You can handle more than you think you can handle. And that's true. But what I really kind of mean is this, God inside you, God inside of you is stronger than you think he is. And the God of all power, love, and grace gives you everything you need exactly when you need it to live the life he has called you, asked you, or allowed you to live. And that's good news. I think this is why Jesus makes kind of a, it seems almost offensive what he says later in the text when he says, you of little faith, right? And all he's really asking is, is a question of, man, do you believe this about God? Does your faith allow for you to believe this about God, that he is able, God is able, willing, eager, and powerful enough to give you exactly what you need to live the life he has called you to live? And we see this in two kind of big stories in the Bible. The first is creation. That in the creation story, it says, man, there was a large expanse. There was nothing a large expanse of kind of blackness and nothingness. And then God shows up, God comes in and he says, man, let there be light and there was light. But the Bible says God created something out of nothing. And here's the point, is don't you think God could do that in your life? That where you're looking at your life and you say, man, I'm worried about having no food or no patience or no hope or no power. Don't you think the God who created something out of nothing, that he could show up into the areas of your life where you feel you have nothing and do something there as well? I assure you, he can. Another story in the Bible is uh, the story of Jesus where he comes and he preaches this message of good news, but he offends a lot of people. And they decide they're going to kill him. And Jesus asked for that cup to pass from him, but that's not God's will. And so he goes to the cross, he's, he's killed, and he's put into a tomb. And the Bible says that three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. I love this. That God, in that story, he defies the natural laws of the universe. And he's able to do what he wants to do. So it should cause us to rethink what is possible or what is impossible for God. What is impossible for God? Nothing is impossible for God. He can do anything. He rose Jesus from the dead. And so when we're facing odds that we think are not possible, when we're thinking odds where we, our backs are against the wall and we don't know how we're going to come through, we remember the resurrection. We remember creation. Remember this moment where God entered into the cavern of nothing and he made something where God entered into the cavern of death where his son lied and, and this amazing thing happened that Jesus rose from the dead. It changes the way we view our own impossible circumstances and the way we engage with our worry. So Jesus says you really have two types of people and again, this is kind of offensive because he uses a word that I think would be offensive today but he says there's pagans. In other words, there's people that don't have this faith in God and he says the pagans run after all these things. What are these things? 
while there are these hypothetical uh, worry statements that kind of get them worked up into a dither. What shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? Jesus says the pagans run after all these things because they don't really have the confidence that God loves them. They don't really have the confidence that God can provide for them. They don't really have the confidence that God is going to keep his promises, that he will give them exactly what they need to live the life he has called them to live. So they pursue lots of questions. You ever found yourself in one of these modes that maybe you're getting ready to start a new job uh, and you're thinking about it the night before and you're just kind of laying awake in bed and you say, man, I'm gonna start this new job tomorrow. Like, what if no one likes me? What if they end up firing me because no one likes me, even my boss? And what if I end up losing my house because I was fired and my wife leaves me because I have no job and then I don't have to get to see my kids anymore because I gotta move to California to get a job? And pursuing questions. On and on and on it goes. Does it sound familiar to anyone but me? That when you're laying away, and it's always just a a, a moment where I have forgotten. God loves me. He has a plan for me. He's going to provide for me everything I need to live the life he has called me to live. There's people that run after questions, and then the, the text goes on. He says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. There's people that kind of pursue questions that work ourselves, we get ourselves worked up into a dither, and then there's those that seek Jesus, his kingdom, and his righteousness, um, and, and runs after him. And again, it's not that they're doing nothing. Right? Don't interpret what Jesus is saying as when you kind of view something that you're worried about or view a problem that you have, just rely on Jesus, step back and don't do anything. That is not the gospel. They're they're just asking different questions than what if, what if, what if. They're asking like, what is the right thing for me to do in this situation? I need a job. What is the godly, wise, right thing for me to do? Or uh, I'd like to get married someday, but you know, I'm not taking the steps that I need to meet someone or date someone or whatever. What is the right thing for me to do? What does Jesus want me to do? And they're pursuing those things and they're allowing a peace and a calm uh, to, to enter into their life by pursuing him first and his kingdom and his righteousness. I think that there, something happens that when we seek after him and his kingdom and his righteousness, fear tends to melt away. Because I think it's in that moment that we're seeking him we remember those things that I've highlighted, that he loves us, he has a plan for us, he has a purpose for us. And so when I'm, in a, when I'm in a track where I am pursuing him and his righteousness, I find a peace and a calm comes over my heart. I wanna share you a few passages that I think highlight this. And if you entered into this room today and you're worried and you're anxious, allow these verses to just penetrate. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all your understanding, will, heart, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, Jesus says, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. First Peter 5, 7 through 10. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Then verse 10. And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered for a little while will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. 
This is what it looks like to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We are presenting our requests. It's okay to have an opinion about how you think your worries should be resolved, about how you think your job situation should be resolved, how your health situation should be resolved, how your prodigal child situation should be resolved. Present your requests, and then we're going to come to him the, the text says, and we're going to try to determine right, what is his will. Does he have a will? What is his will? What is it that he wants? And then we're going to cast our anxieties on him. So we're going to state our opinion. We're going to seek his opinion, and then we're going to leave it with him. We're going to cast our anxieties on him, and then peace is going to begin to replace fear. So I noticed this thing during the pandemic about a year ago, and I, I think it still holds today. What I started to notice is that, in particular on social media, somebody would express their worry or their anxiety or this thing they were really, really concerned about. And then when you go to the comment section, somebody in the comment section would uh, be uh, trying to help them or comfort them with words. And what I started to notice, and the first time I really noticed this was about a year ago, they would respond to the comfort, the original poster would respond to the comfort with anger. How dare you try to comfort me? I, I, I want to feel this way. They would respond to consolation with offense. So I observed this thing going on, that when the Bible says, cast your anxieties on him because he, hold, because he cares for you, we in this culture, we are instead holding on to them tightly. Right? We want to hold on to our anxiety. We want to hold on to our fear. We're not casting, we're gripping tightly. And the question is why? Well, I think there's potentially two reasons. Uh, there could be more, but I, I thought of two. One is that there is a psychological aspect of fear that says we actually get a bit of a payoff from being afraid. Adrenaline is released when we're afraid. Uh, it's why haunted houses are such a big deal. You ever run, run, wonder why somebody would pay like 20 bucks to enter into a house to like be scared to death, right? It's because there's a payoff when it comes to haunted houses. There's a payoff when it comes to fear. And we may not even realize this is happening, but we're getting amped up and afraid. And it's giving us something that we think that we need. It's a lesser form, a settling form of comfort. And so we have these fears and they're amping us up and, they're making, and, and we want to hold on to them because we think they're going to comfort us. And they're not. We're settling. I think the other reason is uh, that what we tend to fear most is very, very connected to the thing uh, that we care most about. So like overwhelmingly, the thing I worry about most is Cheryl, Sam, and Lila, my family. And so, you know, our fear tends to be connected to the thing we care about most and worrying gives us a pseudo sense of control over the things that we care most about. So it's, man, if I worry about this, then I can control it. Except you can't. Because you're not in control, God is. And so we worry and we worry and we worry. And again, it's settling because God is in control and he is so much better at it than me. And so the scriptures are teaching us, you know, state your opinion, listen for God's will, and then cast it. Cast it onto Jesus. Get rid of it, give it to him, and instead what we're doing is, for whatever reason, we're holding on tight. We're holding on tight to it, thinking, this is gonna comfort me. This is gonna make me feel better. 
This is, this is going to help me control more. And it's settling. And it's not true. And God is calling us to let go of it right now. To let go of it. To give it to him. So my prayer all week has been that you might enter this room burdened by this thing you're holding on to. And you're holding it so close. You might have walked in here burdened and holding on to it and holding on to it really tightly to the point where you are offended when someone tries to comfort you about it. And you're holding on to it so tightly. And my prayer this week has been that we will cast it. We will cast it into the loving arms of Jesus and our fear will be replaced with true peace. A peace that our fear could never, ever give us. And so we're going to try this uh, during communion time. Communion's uh, under your chair. And I want to just, um, if you have ever wondered about Jesus' love for you, like this is the moment we're reminded of it. The moment of the cross. That how much he loves us and he loves us enough to die for us. But he also loves us enough to say, hey man, that thing you're terrified about, that thing you're so fearful about, that thing, give it to me. I'll take it for you and I will replace your fear and your worry and your anxiety with peace. And so whatever you came in here this morning, I'm gonna pray a little bit over communion and then I'm gonna leave a little bit of time of quiet uh, for you to just kind of spiritually just cast it. Spiritually cast it away. Give it to Jesus and try to leave it with him. And this might be, if you're like me, you're gonna kind of leave this place and tonight you're gonna be going to sleep and uh, you're gonna be stuffing it or stewing about it or looking for some chocolate cake at midnight. Whatever your thing is, that's what you're going to be doing. And uh, it's, it's going to be creeping back in. And this casting, it is an ongoing thing. That in that moment, it's like, no, I don't need chocolate cake. I need Jesus. <laughs> and you can quote me on that. I don't need chocolate cake, I need Jesus, right? And we're gonna cast our fears and our anxieties again and again and again, and he will take them in his grace every single time. So let me pray, and we'll start the process right now as we cast our fears onto him. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for how much he loves us, so much so that he died for us. But it goes even beyond that, that he is willing to take our fear and to take our anxiety and to replace it with peace. So we wanna take you up on that offer, Jesus, and right now we wanna cast all of our cares upon you. So right now we lift these prayers and requests up to you. It is in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. If you ever wonder about his love for you, Remember that he gave his life for you, his body given for you, his blood poured out. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And as we do it, our fear is replaced with peace and we don't want to settle for anything less. Fear won't comfort us. Fear won't give us peace. Only Jesus Christ can do that. And that's my prayer for us this week is that, you would, that if you came in here burdened, that you would leave here feeling a peace that surpasses understanding. God bless you guys. Uh, have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.